He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and uh, welcome aboard on this uh, lovely fall-like day in August in Memphis. I mean, who can believe today's August 15th? Uh, woke up this morning, went outside to sit on the deck to listen to the birds, have some coffee, and it was 67 degrees. Uh, it was, I'm also back in, got a little jacket. Right now it's 82 and low humidity. Tonight is even getting any cooler um, in uh, the Memphis Collierville area. 64 will be the early morning low. They say some outlying areas could get in the upper 50s. And I think we're going to have another low of 64 tomorrow night. Uh, and then and after that, uh, it's going to get a little bit warmer, but not bad. Uh, certainly not as bad as it has been in years past on, on this, uh, the candlelight service night of uh, the uh, anniversary of Elvis Presley's death. Uh, he, uh, there are thousands of people in town. want to welcome them here. The activities, there's probably people out there lined up now to get in tonight. It's absolutely free. And they bring a candle. You do have to go through security to get up close to the mansion. Uh, in years past, they've had security set up on both ends of uh, Elvis Presley Boulevard. And then you were passed through security, and then you're able to get up close. They have the gates closed until they open, I think, at uh, 8. And then everybody lights their candles. They go up, and you're able to go up to the graveside. And this year is especially poignant because of uh, Lisa Marie being there with with the rest of the family now, sadly. Uh, but that's going on tonight, and thousands of people will be taking part in that. If you've never been, it really is pretty amazing. I've been covering that since I moved to uh, Memphis in uh, 1978, just about six months after he passed away. It was his birthday in January, and they told me, I was at WREG Channel 3, they said, go out there and see if anybody shows up for his birthday. And they were all there for his funeral, but, you know, I was just thinking to keep going. So I called him up. In those days, we had two-way radios in the car, and I called back on the radio because it didn't have cell phones. And I called back, and I said, uh, yeah, they're here. And amazingly, they've been coming back ever since. Uh, and, and I think back over the years um, and think of all the people I have met here. I met everybody that uh, came out of Sun Records, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, um, just uh, the list goes on and on. And uh, it uh, the only person I never met uh, of fame from Memphis was Elvis. He passed away just before I got here. But it's... Uh, over the years, uh, in covering Graceland, and got to meet everybody, got to be really good friends with George Klein over the years. Uh, but everybody else who worked for Graceland over the years, but many people that were just maintenance guys that were there every day, and other friends of his, uh, the uh, guys that owned uh, uh, the motorcycle shop down on uh, Bellevue, uh, the uh, two brothers. Uh, they uh, both uh, Lou and uh, his brother uh, used to Elvis used to hang out there. They built his three wheeler for him and restored a motorcycle for Jerry Lee Lewis. And uh, they would tell stories about how Elvis would show up and have like a, a Pepsi uh, work shirt on, had Pepsi over it. <laughs> the girls 
come in. Do you ever see Elvis come in here? And he would tell him, no, man, uh, one time maybe I saw him going in, but uh, he didn't stay very long. And the the, the two, uh, uh, Lou and his brother Ron, uh, were both just laughing because it was Elvis. They were talking, they didn't even know it was him. And uh, but he was uh, he was a cool guy, and all the people I've interviewed over the years, I never met anybody say anything but good things about Elvis, and uh, that's pretty amazing in itself. And the fact that people still come back, and and you can go anywhere in the world and say you're from Memphis, and they go Elvis Presley and FedEx, and everybody knows both of them. Uh, so it is a pretty amazing story. I was up late last night watching the uh, latest in the indictments coming down on uh, former President Trump. And just the more you watch that, the more you just go amazing. And the, the DA there, it's obviously she was so nervous. She was biting her lip, the lick of her lips. When they asked her how the the secret sealed indictment got uh, sent out on the county clerk's website hours before the, the grand jury got to see it, and you go, now, nah, there's nothing wrong with this. This is all legit. Uh, in fact, somebody had said that uh, if you want to know really uh, how much presenting to a grand jury means, it means absolutely nothing. A DA comes with whatever they want to come up with. They write it all down and go in there and wave it for the jury and go, we're going to indict him all this. Everybody in favor? They raise their hands, and that's it. Uh, it will be interesting to see how this progresses. Uh there are people that say this is all part of the plan and that uh, what he's actually doing is sucking them in. And by having these trials, he's actually able to put on evidence, which he was not able to do. Contrary to what the mass media has said, that he couldn't, they did, not one judge would accept it. Not one judge would accept it because they were all Democrat judges. And so now it'll be able to be brought out in court. Unless they prohibit it from coming out in court. I guess that would be the other thing. Nah, you can't. We can't talk about that. Will that help you? No, no. No way you can talk about that. Uh, so we'll be talking more about that. We've got Diane Kembro, uh, Lady Di, your healthcare PI, coming in to talk about how to save you money on healthcare, which is good because you can't save money on anything else. And we'll talk about that coming up. And then Paul Shanklin's coming in, and we're going to talk about everything. Trump, uh, Michael Orr. Maui, uh, Memphis crime, uh, and Biden's no comment about when they ask him about what, what do you think about the death toll in, on Maui? No comment. How do you say no comment to how do you feel about the climbing death rate in the, the, the Maui disaster? It's up to 99, as you heard on the news earlier. And uh, uh, at the same time, he was saying no comment on Maui. He said another $200 million to Ukraine. And uh, these people, there's going to be more coming out about this uh, Maui thing. I mean, there's just too many weird things. If you just look at the video and see how it was absolutely fried. It just, there was, that's just not your typical fire. And I've seen all kinds of fires. I covered, uh, I remember the worst one I saw that was a, was a uh, wildfire was in West Texas in Odessa when I was working there, my very first TV news job. And it was a, Skibby Sproul's uh, uh, trailer park, mobile home, uh, new car, new trailer sales. And they had all these house traders lined up like five feet between each one. And the, this tumbleweeds caught on fire, and it swept through that park, burned about 40 of them up in about 20 minutes. I mean, I, I'd never seen anything like it. Of course, they had all that glue they, they glued them together with and carpet and, and uh, you know, manufactured wood products of all kinds. 
and it was just like this volcano. Uh, and when it was all over, but there were still pieces of the trailers left in this fire, there was nothing but ashes left on the ground. In fact, they say you could stand on one end of the town and see clear across the other end of the town because there's nothing to block the view. Everything came down. And when you look at pictures of what it used to look like, I've never been to Hawaii, but uh, everybody in my family uh, has been there a number of times. And they uh, said it's just a great place. My good friend Steve Bradshaw, his daughter lives on Maui, but I think on the other side of the island. And uh, they just absolutely love it there. Uh, I think it could be built by that. Everybody says that they could never build it back, but you know, they know what the town looked like. They know the dimensions of those buildings and you could build anything you want to. I think it would be incredible if they were to come back and build each building back exactly where it was and make it look exactly the way it looked, uh, and, and build it the same way. So it has the character, uh, just if we can send the guys to land on the moon, we can figure out how to reproduce a building. Hell, just give it to the Chinese and say, make me a building like this. They rip us off all the time. They can make one exactly like we had. And then they'll they'll charge us double for it. But, hey, we're used to that. Uh, but I would love to see that happen. And all those people need help. Uh, you can contribute money by going to uh, Red Cross. Just go to their website, though. Don't, don't send it to just anybody. Uh, make sure you go to HTTP Red Cross. And then see whether if there's a portal to go to Maui um, uh, funding, because uh, shipping stuff over there is so difficult. I mean, there's no place to land, or, and as I understand, it, they're not letting anybody into the the, the town uh, itself, even the media. I think there's a Fox reporter there, and they're getting out because they have a satellite uh, capabilities. But there's no cell phones. I mean, I think there's some texting you can do, and maybe a couple of calls getting out. But there's no mass media there to show what's going on, and I don't think they want them there. And Biden said this afternoon, well, you heard in our news just a minute ago, that uh, he and uh, the First Lady are going to go to Hawaii after things settle down a little bit, don't want to get in the way there. Uh, I just say Sid Bunny and uh, and see what they can do with that, because, uh, as I said, Joe had no comment on the situation before, which uh, I thought was very insensitive, but... Again, I was sitting on a beach uh, all day. He was probably addled by the sun. Not that he needed any help being addled. At any rate, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and uh, talk more about uh, Elvis Week and that uh, train derailment, and also that, that blue cheese that they got at the local restaurant down in uh, Overton Square. It turned out to have maggots in it. Yeah. Don't expect that when you go to a restaurant. <laughs> we'll talk about it when we come back. Stay with us. And welcome back on a, not a Saturday afternoon, grooving. I'm grooving whatever day it is. And so is Elvis. Uh, died for, I cannot believe 47 years ago. Uh, I, I moved here. I was 28 years old. Uh, came from Dallas. And uh, just a youngin. Although some people would say 28 is kind of nearing middle <laughs> but the way I look at it, I was pretty young uh, and uh, been covering Graceland ever since. And when I first got here and uh, started covering Graceland, you would go to Graceland and Fester, his uncle, was still running the first front gate. 
Vernon was still alive, uh, and his aunt, I think, still lived in the mansion, and would Lisa Marie and uh, and uh, whatever, the, the kids would come, they would always stay there uh, when they would come. And, and across the street was just a shopping center. They had a like a uh, vacuum cleaner repair place. There was a, a laundry over there. And slowly, all those shops got bought out by these individual people who set up little souvenir shops. And then when Grayson uh, finally figured out that <laughs> we're missing a bet here, and they opened up the Grace, Grayson for tours, they started um, uh, that whole shopping center was took over. As then the, the Grayson ended up buying each one of those shops out. They Brought in the the Lisa Marie, the big seven twenty seven uh, jet uh, that Elvis had, and, and the little Lisa Marie, which was his first jet, a little Citation jet, still there. And, uh, and then they completely came in and redid the whole that whole side of the street a few years ago, and, and, and tore what was there down and rebuilt it all. It's really a pretty incredible facility now. They've got a a, a venue there where people, I think George Strait is playing there that later this week, as a matter of fact. And they have a lot of great entertainment coming there. They built a guest house, which is an incredible hotel just um, north of the uh, Graceland Mansion. And it really is a pretty amazing place. If you've never been there, I suggest you go take the tour. It's uh, I, I t- I've taken a lot of people that come here, and they say, that, you know, would you take us on the tour? And I don't just take them there. I take them to... Sun Studios, Stacks, I take them and show them where Jerry Lee used to live before he passed away recently, where um, uh, guess Johnny Cash lived in two or three places here in Memphis. Isaac Hayes used to have a place over on uh, White Station, I think it was, before he moved to uh, Cordova, and he lived up uh, around some friends of mine that lived in Cordova. What was incredible is they just had, like, regular houses. <laughs> I remember going to see George Klein, and he lived in Cordova. And uh, you go, uh, I think it's Trinity. You take Trinity right by the Trinity Shopping Center and go east, and then you get up close to, um, it wasn't, wasn't uh, Houston Levy because it doesn't go all the way through, but right there where it dead ends, if you go to the left, there's a Cordova Junior High down there. But before you get there, you would turn off left and then take a right, and he just lived in the neighborhood. George Klein lives right next door. It just, I guess it was because of the Elvis influence. And it was always, you know, Elvis and that, and all the trappings that went with Elvis. It was weird knowing that uh, somebody like uh, his best buddy, George Klein, lived in a regular neighborhood in Memphis. But Red West, I remember when I first got here, I interviewed him. He lived in Bartlett. And uh, was out, kind of had this a few acres. And he had his acting school set up there. And I remember we did the interview outside by this little lake. And he was sitting in a director's chair, and I was uh, standing up doing the interview. And right before we started, he goes, uh, where are the cue cards? I said, cue cards? For those of you who don't know who Red West was, he was uh, one of Elvis's bodyguards, former Marine, tough guy, uh, was uh, uh, also in a number of TV shows, Baba Black Sheep, I think it was one, uh, had Robert Conrad in it. There was a World War II era Pacific um, um, show it was really good, and he was a he was a pretty good actor. I thought so, and uh, but he wanted to know where the cue cards were. And I said, "Red, uh, I'm not going to ask anything you don't know. If you don't know, say, Earl, I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's what you get when you get to, to where you have cue cards all the time. Uh, but um, it, it's it's been a heck of a ride for everybody in Memphis having Elvis here. 
It is interesting though, because I when I first got here, I always asked all these people. I said, "Did you ever see Elvis?" They go, "Oh yeah, I see him all the time. Driving down the street on his motorcycle, his go karts, whipping out of there, not looking. He'd just drive out in the middle of what is now. We should be was it Airways? Uh, what was it before it became Elvis Presley? Just Highway Fifty One, I think. Yeah, just Highway Fifty One. And but he would come out of those gates like a bat out of hell in his little go kart." Yeah, and it was mostly country. It was way out away from everything. And um, then as it grew up around there, I remember Hoyt Wooten, who was the owner of Channel 3 when I came, uh, he had a house in Whitehaven. In fact, he had a huge bomb shelter that could, I think, like 50 people could live down there for 20 years. Get in there, and they had this, like, sometimes Dr. No, they had all the different time zone clocks across the control room wall they had uh all these bunk beds and uh, the the stored water and food and uh, they used to have these great parties down there. <laughs> i just <laughs> bomb parties everybody got bombed <laughs> uh, but uh anyway it's uh it is elvis week it wraps up tonight but uh, it goes on i promise you there'll be people coming in tomorrow Going back out there to take a look around, and um, but do yourself a favor, go tour Grayson. It is a, a very impressive thing, and he was a very impressive person who loved Memphis, and and loved coming back. And I think everybody does. I mean, y'all get frustrated with the crime right now, and certainly uh, he would have been very frustrated with it, knowing him because he always was carrying guns around. <laughs> Somebody's liable to get shot, <laughs> uh, but uh, in fact, they are getting shot. It is interesting, though. Speaking of crime, that. An incident Sunday downtown with uh, with six, eight people got shot. Uh, we played the audio on the, on the show. and uh, But prior to that, the, the mayor had blocked traffic downtown on the weekend, so you couldn't get there weren't all these cars get down there doing the, the burnouts and all. And for some reason, they took him away. He was asking a news conference yesterday, why did they stop having the roadblocks preventing people like that from getting in downtown? He goes, I'm not sure. <laughs> You're the mayor. If you don't know, who who does know? I think you mentioned something about uh, it was costing a lot of overtime. Because, well, you know what? If it costs a lot of overtime, you spend a lot of overtime because uh, that's what it takes to make it safe. That is your number one job. Uh, just like the President of the United States, his number one job is to make sure we're safe in this country and uh, not necessarily in safe in Ukraine because we ain't in Ukraine. And, uh, so uh, they need to really get on the crime here and uh, take care of that. We're going to have, um, uh, and I talked to a number of people today just about the uh, Tombley Park situation. We're going to have on some folks talking about that tomorrow because uh, ain't no way that the barbecue did $1.65 million in damage down there. I mean, I, I've talked to a bunch of people in the in the landscaping business, the, the development business, and they all just laugh when you hear that. So we'll be talking about that. but. Before then, we're going to be talking to Diane Kimbrough, Lady Di, your healthcare PI. She is up next, so stay with us. Thank you very much, and welcome back. Joining me in studio right now is Diane Kimbrough, your lady die your health care pi and uh 
We're going to talk about, uh, she's been meeting with tons of people in small groups, uh, hundreds, a hundred people working for a company or less, uh, to make up a group. And what constitutes a group? Do they all have to work for the same company? Yes. Yes. You have to have a full-time hours, and the company can determine the full-time hours. Like today I was talking to someone, and they consider full-time 37 and a half hours. Some consider 30 full-time hours. Now, if you talk to the young people, it's 12 hours. It's like, <laughs> I'm full-time. I was going to say 20. <laughs> I'll give them 20. <laughs> and don't make me come in. <laughs> I'll, I'll zoom in for the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but 37 hours. Yeah, well, it, it depends on the company. Mm-hmm. What do they want to decide is considered something that they would they would have as a full-time hour. So it can be all up to 40. You know, it's it's really up to that. But there are so many different things to look at now. And now's the time, if you are um, a business owner, whether you have two employees or you have 200 employees, um, I would be more than happy to talk with you because I have access to some of the best experts um, I know. And I've done a lot of research. And um, we look at all angles because it also depends on where you live. I'm not talking just about Tennessee. It can be Arkansas. It can be Mississippi. It can be Texas. It can be Florida. It can be California. I mean, it can be uh, in any of the 50 states. But now's the time to start thinking about what you want to do to really retain employees, to maybe beef up some of the benefits you're offering them because we have some ancillary products that maybe you have a group plan, but you don't have the ancillary to go with it that you should. Or, you know, we talked last week briefly about a health matching account. That's something that would be a great added value for employers to bring to the table to their employees. Um, instead of doing an HR, uh, an HSA or a 401k, you do an HMA. And so that can also be done for groups. And the employer pays the, the monthly stipend. And then over time, after about eight months, it starts matching it. And so that's another great value for the employee. Well, because you could actually use the money at the end of the year. Uh, for Well, it doesn't go away. Yeah. It just keeps growing. Because there were other plans we've talked about before in the past that at the end of the year, that all that money went away. Yeah. That, see, that's the great thing about the health matching account. You don't lose it if you don't use it. So it, it just grows. If you use it, you're going to keep making your contributions, and it rebuilds, and it starts back where it was when you were already making your contributions. Like if it was matching you for $2 for a dollar, it'll go back and start matching you $2 for a dollar if you use it, and we have to replenish it back up to the amount that you've vested in. But my point being, you want to look at those kind of value-added resources for your employees because that means a lot. The uh, the one I think is also very interesting is the concierge, which is uh, where, yes. where you uh, pay a flat, pretty much a flat fee. Yes. Explain that. So the A-Coast Direct is a um, virtual um, primary care provider concierge service, but it includes mental health and urgent care. So if you, let's say you're on an ACA plan, an Obamacare plan, Sometimes the deductibles have to be met before they'll pay for your doctor's visits or before they'll pay for your labs or x-rays, or you still have to pay a percentage, even if you have labs and x-rays covered until the max out-of-pockets met. ACUS Direct is a great alternative that gives you the ability to have an online primary care provider. You're going to get your medications 
some of them free and shipped to you. And you're going to get access to mental health. And it's going to be the same doctor every time. If you don't like that doctor, you can change it. But it can be your same doctor. And you don't have to schedule it way in advance. You can send a text or a message online and say, hey, I need to talk to someone in 30 minutes or which, so. Which I think is the problem. When did you ever have something go wrong? You said, yeah, I'd like to talk to you next week about that. Yeah, I think I can hang on to this concern for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I won't lose any sleep. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. And you can FaceTime. You can uh, have that type of one-on-one interaction. You can also do urgent care through this. I mean, not everything requires you to get in your car and drive to a facility. I agree. So if you can have that type of, of service, and it's affordable, which is what even makes more sense. And I think it's, you would think that older people would like this, and I, and I agree. But also because I've got a young grandson, and my daughter's calling us every day going, okay, he's got this. What do you think about this? <laughs> and I think it would be perfect for somebody like that. Because I think you need to get her a membership to make well, us direct. <laughs> don't, don't call us. Call <laughs> The concierge. Remember, honey, we got you a concierge. <laughs> but uh, it is. It's little things. Like the other day, his ear was red. Does he have an ear infection or does he have another bug? And has he got somebody socked him in the ear at kindergarten and his ears just red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love these new parent things. That's so cute. Yeah, because with us, he just came home. If you weren't crying, they said, ah, you'll be all right. You know what? I th- let's see if that red goes away. Okay, it's yeah. gone. You're good. <laughs> A little soap and water on it. Do you have a fever? You're fine. (laughs) If you don't have a fever, we're not worried about it. (laughs) We'll see how you feel tomorrow. (laughs) Sleep on it. (laughs) But uh, they were, and that's good. They're very attentive. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but uh, they wouldn't let us ride without a helmet or drink water out of the garden hose. But uh, we all survived. They wouldn't let you? Well, they wouldn't let now. Oh, now I was yeah. going. No, we we. I was going. Well, we did all that, oh, and we yeah. rode in the back of the truck, and yeah. we didn't ride with seatbelts. Yeah, we, <laughs> they didn't have seatbelts. I was going to say well, that's why we didn't ride with them, <laughs> and I survived bouncing around in the back seat. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was. Uh, there were, you know, there were risk, and but I see people now. You don't have to have a helmet. I saw a guy riding without a helmet in Memphis today, and so. I just happen to think that if you're going to be on a motorcycle, you'll be covered up as much as possible. I would think that you'd want to protect yourself. But I really want people to start thinking about, especially business owners, or uh, maybe you're an employee of a company and they're not offering you health benefits and you really think this would be an added value to you because you love the company. But, you know, it'd be nice if you had some help with some health insurance. Well, we'll tell you this. One of the biggest problems facing any small company is retention. Just yes. keeping your employees. And get, getting good ones and then keeping them. Yeah, because they end up leaving for just a few dollars and the promise of something neat happening later on. But uh, good quality health care is a huge in, inducement to stay with, a, with the company. Especially with things being as uncertain as no. they are. And there are good plans also. I don't want to limit the effectiveness and the purpose of an ACA plan and Obamacare plan. There, there are some good purposes for that, but that's not for everybody. No. And the good thing is you could uh, come up with plans, even, uh, uh, you know, uh, out of here. It's not just, you're not just here. You're all across the United States. You can do business. So if you have relatives mm-hmm. that somebody's recently either changed jobs, lost a job, and need coverage, uh, Diane can help them. Absolutely. So, so all you got to do is call them. And, and if you're on Medicare, the 
in supplements on Medicare. She could help with that. Yeah, we have a lot of open enrollments about to come about. That's why I'm kind of starting the conversation because open enrollment for the ACA will come in November 1st. And then for Medicare, it will start October 15th. So now's the time to be gearing up, thinking about if you're going to add to, make some changes, or have somebody just look at it. Yeah, you don't want because I promise you, November will be here before you know it. Mm-hmm. And uh, all you got to do is give Diane a call and a real simple Q and A, uh, and you can find out what you need, and she can put a deal together in, in a day. So uh, how can they get in touch with you, Diane? Just give me a call at nine zero one six zero six ninety ninety one. Now, have you been to Graceland? Have you taken the tour? I have been to Graceland, but it's been a while. Yeah. But I will tell you, I was here for many, many, many years and didn't go. And I was, I got so embarrassed because people could get excited about coming to Memphis. They go, we got to go to Graceland. I was like, ah, oh, please. <laughs> and, you know, shame on me. So we well, went, and it was fabulous. Isn't it, isn't it cool? Yeah. I want to go back now, though, because I would love to go to some of the concerts. Um, my biggest concern these days is not the venues. It's the safety. It's well, just truly the good thing about Graceland is you pull into the parking lot and it's all secured. So you go to the new venue right across the street from Graceland, and I think it seats like three or 4,000 people. Oh, that's great. And I think George Strait is coming this week. Well, that would be awesome. And, Wouldn't uh, that be great over there? Oh, yeah. yeah. And the, the great thing about it is uh, you don't have to worry about your car. Yeah. That's the new thing now is everybody goes, hey, you want to go out to dinner? Okay. Who's, Who's car? driving? I'm <laughs> <laughs> taking my car. And I'm scared to Uber. <laughs> <laughs> so there you are. Well, give her a call, and uh, she can help you out. And if you got a relative out there that uh, needs some help and some direction, tell them to give or her a call. Or if you need the help, give yeah. her a call. <laughs> if anybody needs help, give her a call. <laughs> All right, thank you, Diane. Thank you, Earl. We're going to take a quick break, then we'll be right back. And welcome back on a very pleasant Tuesday afternoon. 82 degrees out there right now. Very low humidity. I love this. This came out uh, today. Uh, this uh, A woman who seemingly came from Australia went on a tirade and, and a TikTok video decrying the ubiquity of the American flag uh, around the country. She said uh, she saw them on couch cushions. Like, I don't know who's making these American flags, but they're making a bloody fortune. And, like, you're the only country I know that does this. Uh, The only time I've ever seen an Australian flag is on the Harbor Bridge, she continued, referring to the bridge in Sydney. Australia that spans Sydney Harbor from the Central Business District in the North Shore could not tell you uh, what it it, uh, looks like, really, as far as details. Let's pull it back on it. (laughs) Excuse me. Let's stay humble, she concluded. Uh, they're on houses, they're on cars. I think I can draw the American flag from memory. The only time I think I've ever seen an Australian flag is on that bridge. Uh, and so Abbott, who's the governor of Texas, <laughs> snapped back a four-letter reply, go back to Australia. <laughs> so I think it's pretty hilarious. You know, Texas is another place. I just thought that all everybody had to think of you from Tennessee, you had your own Tennessee flag. If you're from Mississippi, you had your own Mississippi flag, Arkansas flag. Because everybody, when I grew up, uh, you had your own flag. We like flags. We like flags. Well, yeah. I mean, flags are it. And we have a lot of pride. The Tennessee flag is everywhere. On my street, uh, on Collierville, the, there's an American flag on in front of every house on my street. Every single one. 
We hadn't put one out on the street. <laughs> well, you're you back away from the street. They can't see it. But everybody knows. Every, I think the most popular flag where we're at is that uh, don't tread on me. Yeah, with a snake. Which I was going to make one that's yellow that has a tire on it, said no tread on me. <laughs> which is uh, also a popular yeah. uh, flag out there is no tread on me. But it is, uh, uh, I think... It, People are, especially in light of all the, now that uh, Trump is, oh, by the way, Paul Shanklin is here with Oh, us. that's where I am. Okay. I'm so used to him just uh, popping in. <laughs> we just well, my phone talking. rang. It's like uh, somebody needed a skid steer. So I was like, oh, um, I got it running. So more than just running, it's working. A, a what? Skid steer. Bobcat. Oh, Bob, you said Bobcat. Why yeah, you Bobcat. Bobcat is a brand. Skid steer uh, is a, is an yeah, it's brand. like saying tractor. It's like Kleenex or Coca-Cola. Right, exactly. And that's, it became, you know, Bobcat. It's Bobcat. But everybody makes them. Well, the uh, is that the one you were having carburetor problems with? No, that was something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I had this one. It's, it's like I, it's like new wine, old wineskins. I had uh, I put a new hydraulic pump in it. And I'm thinking, oh, this is great. You know, I'm not going to have any more problems. Then everything that used the hydraulic pump started leaking because it had more pressure than it had before. So all the cylinders, all the lift cylinders, so boom cylinders, lift cylinders, $600 later, and then uh, all the lines and everything else, about $1,000, and here I am. But think about what it would cost if you had hired the uh, mechanics to come out to your place to fix oh, it. Oh, yeah, you can't. That's the thing. People these days, you know, they just give up. If a, if a, I have a friend that goes to these sales and buys things, and he says people just give up because they they can't, nobody has any parts. No, if they do have parts, they don't have anybody who knows how to do yeah. anything, and they need equipment. So they'll sell whatever's broken in their yard, and just sell it for for peanuts. Scrap. He's an engineer. He fixes them. So. Well, and that's the way it used to be. We fixed everything. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it's like a, even animals. He had a, a, a horse that was ailing. Uh, they said, "Cut we'll off it. one leg and let him." You, know. <laughs> you want to call the vet? He ain't dead. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, see what the good Lord and him could do on their own, and then we'll let's pray for we'll him. It's cheaper. It. It's cheaper. Yeah. Uh, speaking of needing a vet, uh, Biden's no comment comment uh, on Maui. What'd you think about that? You know, I don't think he, I think he was thinking it was one of the countries that Hunter got money from saying, Maui, where's Maui? I don't know. I've got no comment. Maui. I, you're probably Maui. right. Did he? Yeah, how much money did we get from Maui? Hey, Hunter, how Who, much did we haul in from Maui? Who's what? the leader of Maui? <laughs> did we get some Maui Wowie from Maui? And that was or? the other thing. I think. Maui Wowie. <laughs> oh, I don't know the book. I don't know that joke. <laughs> Uh, he's, you know, they've, they've trained him well. It used to be, he, he would go ahead and talk to us and now he just does. Uh, no. <laughs> Gotta go. Chocolate. I like chocolate Please. ice cream. And that was the end of it. And he's, he's, he's been at the beach for three weeks now. He's with his shirt off. Yeah. Not, not good. <laughs> I mean, you think that that's worse than his, a shark attack. His image. In <laughs> Old man with his shirt off. All the girls. <laughs> Never mind. I want to go in. It is, uh. And he sits out there and he waves at people, but nobody waves back. Have you noticed that? Well, they wave back. <laughs> Just not with their whole hand. <laughs> He's number one with them. He's number one. I'm number one. Well, he came back today and uh, said, uh, and trying to make up for it, saying he and uh, Jill, the first lady, are going to be flying out to Hawaii as soon as things settle down a little bit and they get an ice well, cream and, store. And that's, what, and that's what, yeah, exactly. And that's what, well, that honestly, though, presidents, 
if they did show up real early, everything gets shut down. All that and it does, but everything helicopters already, can't move. Nobody can do anything. Everything's already shut down there. They're, yeah, although they're still gone. looking, but yeah, they're looking all, for for they're looking for extent. what remains. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing to look for. And uh, he doesn't necessarily have to go to Ground Zero. He can. Uh, you know, Maui's a big Bush, island. Bush did a flyover, and they're, they're always worried about appearances. Bush did a flyover of, of uh, New Katri- Katrina, yeah. and he was criticized yeah, for it. He well, why, didn't you, why didn't you land? And why you, I don't want to get in the middle of what needs to be done. Everything will have to stop for me to land, you yeah. know, and for a day. Well, uh, it's going to be we At least do that. I, I just keep looking at the, the remains of the fire, and it just looks like something happened there a lot more than a fire. There was an incredible win. Yeah. Well, uh, we're talking with Paul Shanklin. We're going to talk more about a lot of things uh, coming up right after the break. So stay with us. We'll be right back. He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome back uh, on this Tuesday. Uh, it's a very pleasant day out there. With me is uh, Paul Shanklin. It is nice. I yeah. can wear long sleeves today. You did. And it didn't feel like I was dressed in wax paper. You look very crisp today. Yeah. You well, that's, start that's, shirt. Yeah, that's, well, and no, that's get one of the, Did she get up no, this is one No, this is one of those, you know, never have to iron shirts, which I've been encouraged to buy. <laughs> And sometimes I didn't look. Well, we didn't. We didn't look last time. It's like we had, there was a sale on some shirts, and I like the brand. And so I'm like gathering them up, running to the you know checkout, and then uh, we get back home and find out oh, they're they're hey. iron iron only. So I have to wear them <laughs> at least you know four or five days before I can get them. I washed, know exactly you know? where that shirt's headed to the work shirt yeah. pile. <laughs> it's you know it's the cleanest dirty shirt <laughs> pile. And uh, does it kind of look ring? No, it doesn't look ring. Well, I keep going, you know. Well, the the um, attire for everybody, though, and I was watching, I love old movies. And I love it when you look back at those, even in the old days, even the guy driving the milk truck was wearing a vest. Right, and, a and had, a, had a snappy little hat on. Yeah, yeah. And, and everybody, women were in long dresses and hats. Everybody wore hats, men and women. Wore and every, all the guys were thrilled to see an ankle. Yeah. Yes. And they were going, wow, look at that. Look at those ankles. Yeah, I can see both of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, Tommy, turn away. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was, I'd say it, people look better dressed up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. In fact, I saw a young lady yesterday. Well, that's why I showed up one day a week like yeah. this. <laughs> Just to remind Otherwise, her, I'd be in my farm to, fatigues. <laughs> remind everybody that you can dress up. You can shave. Yeah. yeah. That's true. The uh, We were looking at uh, the situation of crime in this community, which is one reason you don't live in this community, is you move to uh, it's, a county. I never thought, when we moved out, I never thought, you know, and, and, I'm, and i and I got to have my glasses on to shoot well. I can shoot. I just may or may not hit, you know, something. So <laughs> so uh, now I'm having to wear glasses all the time. And uh, and I sent you a thing, uh, Masad Ayub, who, yeah, uh, yeah with uh, Wilson Combat. It has Talks a great about using, if you have YouTube. bifocals, what right, you should it's do. It's turning them up, basically having them yeah. flipped. And you have your 
He says it makes you look like a more studious reader, but <laughs> that way, because I have that problem. If I'm, you know, trying to shoot, I intend to turn my head back so I can, you know, you have that see nose better. in the air. Look. Nose in there. He called it the Prussian officer look. <laughs> I said, "I'll shoot my pistol." <laughs> he says you're supposed to lean forward into whatever you're doing, and uh, try not to have to do that. But uh, got a got a few few more rounds now in the new gun, so um, just to, just to make feel a little bit better. But the thing is, where this usually happens is uh, like Beale Street, uh, right. Peabody Place. Where and, they disarm everybody, which, you know, well, it but sounds this, good, except, but you know. apparently they well, missed one. Except, yeah, they missed one. Or they're driving by. Or, you know, if you walk off of Beale Street, I had a friend who's had a friend who got a gun in her face because they were at a neat place on Beale, and it was really safe. Let's mm-hmm. go down there. They don't, nobody gets to have a gun. And as soon as she walked off Beale Street with her boyfriend, <laughs> she got a gun in the face. Did they, they rob them? Yeah. Got all their, you know, whatever. They had. Yeah, you know, his wallet and purse and all that. Yeah, yeah. Hand it over. Well, it's nothing new. I got news for everybody. They've been robbing people on Beale Street ever since there's been Beale Street. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, because you're, you're and that was part tourist. of the, the, the European tourists are not really, expecting a gun in the face. But he, but I'm talking back back when the early days of BB King when he was learning to play. You know, they wouldn't let the Navy guys go down there when I was a kid. No, they said go to uh, Yosemite Sam's at Overton Square. Or is that where they sent the squids? The, yeah, they did. Cause I remember <laughs> when I moved here in '78. You go in there, all you can see are guys in white cedar suits there yeah. and at uh, Silky Sullivan's down the street. Because they couldn't go downtown to build. No, because it was off limits. Yep. And there's a reason for that. They said, we don't want our people dead. We're training you guys. Yeah, we don't want to waste our money. And uh, But the the it is the only thing that's going to stop that is if you arrest these people and do what they did in New York when Rudy Giuliani was uh, mayor there, and they started just stopping people. You got a gun on you, and if you got a gun on you, you're going to jail for a while. Right. Or if you did do something that's small, you know, they got the deal with the, the I saw this last night on the news, where they're going to have a their new diversion program. The, the five-point, five-star. Uh, whatever, but there's, if you're, if you're, if you're thieving from a store, shoplifting we're going to have this program yeah well and in the program we sit down and tell you how it's wrong to maybe do this and then we're going to clean up your record if you'll go through the program the the, the program program is to go sit in a jail cell for a couple of days no no well here it is it's like now if you grew up underprivileged you get a point for that are you poor if you have (laughs) some mental challenges Uh, you get a point for that if you've huh? been if you've been abused by your parents, you get a point for that. So, in the end of the day, they go, "Well, you've had a rough life, so you get to your go. life is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> you get to leave now." Uh, but I'm telling you, the the one thing that works, and you can be a drooling idiot if you go away for ten years. You go, "I'm not doing that again." Right? And people, you know, it's easy. Which is easier? And if you've got people that don't have a lot of moral capability. They're going to go do the easy thing, and if the easy thing is not going downtown and sitting in a jail cell, or not going to court, and not you know, then you you do the things you're supposed to do, not because you're a good person, but because it's an easier thing to do. Well, we it, know this from child rearing. I mean, there's some it, of them are compliant, and some of them need a little. All all oops. my father had to do was look at me. Oh yeah, he didn't even have to shake his head like "Don't do that again." He just said, "Look at me," and I go, "I get you." You only have to pick that switch off that tree one time. Because I know. No, that, go get me another one. This one isn't big enough. 
Well, we know what Joe said the other day about the Maui fires. Here's uh, what uh, Donald Trump had to say. Cut one. I would like to express my sympathy and warmest regards to the people of Hawaii and specifically all of those who have been so gravely and irreparably hurt by the tragedy of the wildfires in Maui, something the likes of which have seldom been seen anywhere at any time. The death caused by this catastrophic event will be far worse than ever expected now that houses and cars and other areas are being inspected. The sad thing is it should never have happened. Our government was not prepared. And very importantly, the aftermath is going very poorly with the governor of the island wanting to do nothing but blame it on global warming and other things that just happened to pop into his head. When asked about it today, as he was getting into a car, perhaps coming home from the beach, where he has been spending a great deal of time, Crooked Joe Biden, the most incompetent president in the history of our country, with a laugh and a smile, said he had no comment on the death and the tragedy. To say no comment is oftentimes fine, but to be smiling when you say it, especially against such a tragedy as this, is absolutely horrible and unacceptable. It is a disgraceful thing that Joe Biden refuses to help or comment on the tragedy in Maui, just as he refused to help or comment on the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, for a very, very long time. In any event, hopefully everyone will be able to pull together so that a horrible situation does not get even worse. To the families affected, I give you my love and sympathy. Nothing can ever replace your loved ones. But you will always have the memories and will feel their great love surrounding and embracing you. Together, we will continue to carry their legacy forward. And I love you all very much. Thank you. Uh, and then career of uh, Jean-Pierre, uh, who's the White House press secretary, uh, ended up uh, uh, pining that uh, the fires can be blamed on climate change. Well, it was, it, there is a climate change when something goes from <laughs> it 68 degrees to, you know, 4,000. Yeah, it, it changed it, here last night. It got it was really hot. Now it was cool this morning. So it was what did change. you do? Somebody know. left a door open. Yeah. I cut. think it was uh, Al Gore leaving his uh, door open in Nashville. <laughs> cut to. ...up solar manufacturing and source critical materials for EVs, electric vehicles, and use EPA to restart a factory to produce equipment to fight wildfires made worse by climate change. So this is something that the president has taken very seriously. And if you look at, if you think about the Inflation Reduction Act, as you hear me speak to many times, you heard here, it's, we're about to celebrate the one-year anniversary of that, which has, which, has given, uh, which has given the most investment in dealing with climate change than any other piece of legislation... And didn't he just come out and say, I shouldn't have really called it the uh, Inflation Reduction Act? Because it really deals only with climate change. Right. Yeah. Well, it was, it's <laughs> just. But it's nothing. Somebody can, over there needs to be indicted for idiocy, but I don't think <laughs> you can do that. Well, you can. You can indict a ham sandwich. It's yeah, just you got so. to have the grand jury. You got to have a DA to do it. Uh, uh, but they did it yesterday, late last night. I stayed up until 1230 watching it. And, um. We're going to talk about the latest indictment of the former president right after the break. We're talking with Paul Shankland. Stay with us. 
And welcome back. On Com- this, confidence uh, will get you. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Shanklin's here uh, with me, and uh, we're talking about the um, the indictment that came down last night, which actually came down yesterday afternoon. All right, in the middle the, of the day. Right, and then oh, no, 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 that ain't me. That ain't me. And that then, was a <laughs> that was a fake document. Although it ended up being the exact same document, they ended it's, up using it's the Memphis defense. No, man, that ain't me. Uh, uh, no, no, and no, no, that didn't happen. Uh, it's well, fake. It's fake. <laughs> it <laughs> that is. That ain't me. It is. Uh, it may end up that we were talking about the law of unintended consequences. Yeah, that uh, it really is a a real thing. It's just people they plan these things out, elaborate plans. They get it all figured out. They know exactly what's going to happen. We've got and then the wind of, blows and things change. Things happen. Well, they they indicted Sidney Powell yep. and Rudy Giuliani, who are pretty sharp cookie lawyers and, and also know all about the fraud. Yeah, that and have play. evidence. And, Kanye West publicist they indicted. <laughs> I mean, where did that come from? Uh, says Trump is being charged under Georgia's RICO statute, among other things, which is the same statute Willis used to bring charges against Atlanta rap star Young Thug. Yeah. The RICO statute was designed to dismantle organized crime groups. The indictment, but not organized shoplifting crime groups. No. That's different. That, yeah, they're not that's going. Di- that's not different. going after them. No, no. If you're breaking into a liquor store right. with a with an infinity, that's okay. That's cool. So the indictment cites twelve of Trump's tweets and one from new former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani as overt acts made in furtherance of a conspiracy. Now, how much boogie 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 yeah, boogie? How much more convoluted is that? Seems like you figured this out. Uh, the tweets were sent by Trump in January uh, 6, 2021. While no, other those posts, were criminal tweets. Yeah, this is obviously a criminal tweet. Criminal tweet. I didn't want anybody to know. That's why I sent it to everybody. Uh, so on about the third day of December 2020, Donald John Trump caused to um, be tweeted from the Twitter account of real Donald Trump. Georgia hearings now on. Then uh, Q amazing. This was an overt act of furtherance of the conspiracy. What? What is? Boogie, 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 boogie. On about the fifth day of January, Donald Trump accused or caused to be tweeted from the Twitter account of real Donald Trump. The vice president has the power to reject fundamentally chosen electors. This is an overt act of furtherance of a conspiracy. How is it a conspiracy to say the vice president has the ability to do something? Well, he does have the ability under the Constitution. It doesn't say he doesn't. It says that he he not has to certify that he is yes. the one who does certify the vote on the federal level. In fact, what they're, really, what they're really saying about the whole thing is the fact that he said that this was uh, the election that it was could lot, be done, that it could be done, could be done, or and that the election was not was not a, a legitimate situation. Then and I think I've got the sound bites here. You listen to all. I thought the, that was well, Stacy. What's her name? Uh, this is uh, Rachel Mandel back and forth with Hillary about Trump claiming stolen election. This is cut five. That um, the system of democracy at its heart is the idea that the people get to decide how we are governed. And if we be- if we no longer believe that our will is effectuated through the system, if bad actors tell us falsely that every election is stolen and that the only way an election is 
uh, trustworthy as if they come out on top of it, um, then something it's, it, it's, it tells you something not just about that person or that moment. Like Hillary? It maybe wounds us as a democracy in a way that Very is hard to repair. Mm-hmm. What do you think about how we get better um, after the wounds that have been inflicted on us through this process? Well, I think, you know, the truth matters. Um, I think having these cases be brought and be brought in such professional manners. We'll see how they unfold. How professional. Yeah. Uh, the trials, um, if there are trials, are going to be critically important. But the article you mentioned that I published about the weaponization of loneliness really does, in my view, <laughs> you would point know. to the larger cultural concerns. Honey, I'm as lonely as I want to be. The divisiveness, Please the undermining away. of faith in ourselves, in each other. Uh, respect for our institutions, uh, the rule of law, all of that has been deliberately inculcated within uh, our inculcated. body politics. You know, there were trends mm-hmm. before. I mean, we have seen how people have become inculcated. more isolated, less community-oriented, uh. less civically-minded. Then we see how social media and technology has certainly accelerated a lot of those trends. Yada, yada, yada. Now, here are five straight minutes. Now, she's talking about how that uh, this was uh, all... Denying elections. Yeah, yeah this is uh, five straight minutes of Georgia Democrat Stacey Abrams denying the results of her election, and she never got charged with anything. Cut 17. In Georgia. And I do have one very affirmative statement to make. We won. But I didn't lose. I got the votes. But we won't know exactly how many because of how they cheated. I did win my election. I just didn't get to have the job. We were robbed of an election. Using the word rigged, using the word steal, do you think it's dangerous going into 2020? I I don't, because we can actually back it up. And so in response to what I believe was a stolen election, and I'm not saying they stole it from me, they stole it from the voters of Georgia. Back to someone outside, ask if I'm ever going to concede. The answer is no. This is not a speech of concession. Because concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. And I will not concede because the erosion of our democracy is not right. It was not a free and fair election. I think the election was stolen from the people of Georgia. I believe it was stolen from the voters. Thousands of Georgians had their voices stolen because they were not able to count the ballots. And they cannot be guaranteed that their votes will be counted in 2020 if we don't do this right. If what happens to you happens nationally, you see uh, whoever runs for, whoever wins the Democratic nominee, if they say, actually, I can prove that there's a number of votes in every state that, that, and that, and that the same thing that you just described happens in multiple states, should they concede? I do not think we should concede an election until we know the results of an election. I, still I agree with that. <laughs> yes. And that's just not how life works. If it looks like it's cheating, it probably is. Yes. If it looks like it's rigged, it probably is. I agree. I know that's right. You break a phone with a hammer. That if you want to run for office again, you got to concede the election so that everyone knows you're a good sport. I'm not. I said that the election was stolen from Georgia voters. The process that took place during the legislative cycle was one that did not countenance and did not pay attention to the deep and real concerns of those who watched this election be stolen in the state of Georgia. It was stolen from the voters of Georgia. As long as we have eligible American citizens who 
cannot cast a ballot, then the game is rigged. I am complicit if I say that that system is fair. Concession. In uh, we could go on and on. This thing lasts for literally five minutes. Well, it actually, it was like, well, like seven years. Yeah. I don't know. She, she went on and on and on and on. And yet nobody has said anything about a conspiracy for Stacey Abrams. No. No, it was just her complaining. I guess that. It's so uh, natural to her that nobody figured out that it somehow was a crime. Is that well, and they've, they've got a thing now. They're talking about the electors, the uh, uh, fake electors. And there are always electors for each candidate. It's just who gets to go, like, to convention. I went. I was, a, I was an alternate elector for Huckabee from Tennessee. Huckabee, you know, won Tennessee. But anyways, I was able to go to the convention. I was an alternate elector. And I'm not sure what the what the process is as far as that goes, but I know that uh, you have there's been there's been attempts in the past from other presidential candidates in history to send their electors to Washington. That's not this isn't the first time that's happened. No. Start with Paul Shanker. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, stab some more holes in the balloon. Thank you very much, and welcome back. Uh, Caught your reading, didn't we? Well, I I was looking at this. uh, This is a WREG. uh, It was a poll that uh, was commissioned. and uh, Is that before COVID uh, stepped out? uh, Since then. Okay. And uh, But for some reason, it's not opening up. Let me go to their... their Because you want it to. Apple knows that. and. (laughs) Well, it should have heard us talking about it and just opened yeah, it up. Uh, yeah, that's what think, they do. You think it'd be a smartphone? Um, it uh, was commissioned by Channel Three, but there was a local college that did it, uh, and uh, it uh, had uh, right now Willie Harrington is out front with like sixteen percent of those uh, polled. Oh, good luck! Uh, yeah, five times he was elected mayor. Uh, well, which, it looks like property values just went up again <laughs> where I live. Anyhow. Remember, he was the one that told everybody, if you don't like it here you in Memphis. You don't like it in Memphis, get out. Yeah, <laughs> And they did. We, we did that on the on the Mike Fleming show. He played that over and over. <laughs> and he, Mike Fleming was the one that uh, did, dubbed him King Willie. King Willie, yeah. yeah. King Willie, yeah. Um, let's see. Smoking guns, people shot, people killed, people shot, power outages, uh, men accused of interstate shooting. Uh, I, I read it earlier. It's just, it's so far down on the level of importance on Channel 3. So yeah, the crime so, just kind of uh, pushes everything out of the way, doesn't it? A uh, new program, power outages. Memphis mayor considers suing car companies. I love that. That's uh, Strickland. He's going to sue the car companies for making the cars too easy to steal. Oh, that's yeah. Oh, that right up there with the great ideas of uh, of the prosecutor having a shoplifting diversion. Maybe they had a reason for stealing. <laughs> well, the forty two bags of makeup out of our store, and what? maybe it's poverty. Could it be poverty? Well, the thing is, you look out at San Francisco, or they're just going to these jewelry stores and cleaning them out. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's one store that's almost a million dollars worth of jewelry stolen. And, and I uh, tried to do it to Weimers the other night, and uh, he had all the good stuff put up. 
which is what you do. You don't leave the, the good stuff in the cabinets out front. So all you got to do is break it with a hammer. Right. Although I, I'm sure. Ram it with a car. I'm sure there's some people that sit there and go, they, they got the good stuff. Yeah, they got <laughs> All my really good stuff they stole. Uh, well, they, okay. So here's the deal is that, uh, I can't believe I can't find it, uh, because they just did it and I'm going to channel three's website and I had somebody else going to send me the results of it. Let me see if I can find that. Um, it's in here somewhere. Um, I guess he hasn't sent it to me. The, uh, but then you got, um, Who's the guy that's head of the downtown commission? Uh, Paul, he's uh, he and uh, and Heritage are pretty close. Judge Joe Brown is uh, right in there with uh, this uh, downtown commission guy. Joe Brown's running. Joe Brown's okay. running again, yeah. And then you got uh, Bonner with ten percent and twenty six percent undecided. That's the kicker. So undecided is in the lead right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and nobody's really advertised. I mean, I've you know I do watch well, you TV. See signs all yeah. over the place. Well, you live well, I have, I, yeah, yeah, I don't see any signs at all, and I'm just. But Paul, I have Paul Young is who I was trying to. Okay, think. I haven't seen any. So, but there's like see, what, Angie. 15? Angie usually takes care of me. This Kathy well, was on. I call case. it. You know, we we watch it ten o'clock, and uh, you know we have to know what the weather is because <laughs> it couldn't be right on your phone. So uh, you know. But uh, and Tim Simpson used to do a ten day forecast. Now they're down to seven day forecast. They don't but, do the uh, ten anymore. I didn't. They didn't have it last. What about night? Jim Jaggers? He, yeah. he he retired it's, this past weekend. There was no warning. He didn't call me and say I'm retiring. Uh, no. What do you think is no. going on there? Well, I think I, you know one thing's for sure. With Tim gone, uh, you have one less person, uh, experienced person, and uh, and, and it, with Jaggers gone, I mean everybody's going. There's there's not going to be anybody extra to work weekends and nights. It, well, that's what it was. I saw the Brigham Jaggers last weekend. The week, and it turns out it was the week before he retired. Right. They made him come in to do weekend weather on Saturday morning with Windy Nations. I could tell he was pissed about something. Right. He was acting like, uh, you know, his mommy made him go to the store and get milk, and he was watching cartoons. And said, "But I'm watching my cartoons." If you can't be bright and happy with Windy Nations uh, working well, with you, what's what what's the deal? Okay, I found the survey. Willie Harrington nearly leads a slate of 17 candidates in the upcoming Memphis mayoral race, according to a poll of likely voters conducted by Emerson College for WREG Channel Three. Uh, five-time Memphis mayor who served from. 92 to 2009. He's which, like 85 years old at this point. I, I think he's 90 now. Oh, God. You know what he told me one time? And I'm going to use it on him when next time I see him. He said, you know, Earl, I saw him out at the golf tournament, as a matter of fact. This is probably 15 years ago. And he goes, I, he said, you remind me of a cockroach. <laughs> and I said, why is that, Bear? He goes, every time I think you're dead and gone, you come crawling back. <laughs> So he knows you very well. I said, well, <laughs> some people call that tenacity, Mayor. That's right. Uh, is what I, and that's what I'm going to say to him. Yo, Mayor, I thought you were yeah. dead and gone like a cockroach. <laughs> uh, but he was uh, he had the support of 60% of the voters old. in this poll. Um, that was taken from 11 uh, through the 13th. Paul Young, president and CEO of the Downtown Memphis Commission, ranked a close second with 14%. Shelby County Sheriff Floyd Bonner and former Judge Joe Brown 
tied at 10%, while Shelby County Commissioner Van Turner rounded out the top five candidates with 7%. But the biggest block of voters in the poll, 26% said they were for undecided. Well, and... and Suggesting there is still most you want campaigning we, to be done. We would rather, well, they say if the people would rather not have, uh, you know, safe streets, they'll vote for anybody but the sheriff. Wait, say that again. If, if they, well, if they don't want safe, if they streets, don't want yeah, safe streets, well, then vote for anybody but Sheriff Bonner. Well, uh, I mean, Willie did. Were streets safe when Willie was around? Actually, they were safer than they are right well, now. Well, that's true. If if Willie's but, if Willie's you know willing to crack a few heads. And get this thing straightened out in some way, but he has a way of running everybody out of town. So <laughs> he, he even left town. Remember, he, he lived yeah, down to South been, Haven after he was there. I'm getting out of here, and then well, crime uh, is on its way. Yeah. And so am I. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was that was uh, interesting times. Well, and, God, uh, God bless Mike Flipping. He was uh, he he was not shy. No. about taking on the mayor and the mayor. From Tipton County. (laughs) I'm going back to my house. (laughs) Can you do a mic flipping of? (laughs) I used to. We'd be on on, uh, location somewhere. And uh, one time we were at this bookstore down in Midtown. And he he wasn't paying attention. And I hear the music. And there's nobody getting him. And so I came out. Oh, so is Mike Fleming with Mike Fleming show? And he can hear it over the speakers. And, th- and he flew all the way across, grabbed onto, this is Mike Fleming with Mike Fleming show. First time I heard him, I thought he was drunk on the radio. But that was Oliver C. Reed, who was the heavy drinker. Yeah. Janice Fullerwine. Janice Fullerwine. Yeah. Or Janice Fullerwine. Well, the first thing I did on 790 was they called, I was at the newsroom of Channel 5, and they called and said, uh, Can you do a uh, fill in for Janice Fullerwine? I said, Like when? She's like, unsteady. Like now. <laughs> I said, What's the problem? I said, Well, they found a bottle of old yellow, yellow uh, rebel yell in her purse, uh, <laughs> and the Coke can on the desk was. The vodka, other half vodka, of the... Yeah, it yeah. had fallen over. The cleaning people had knocked it, it over, and it dribbled out all over the floor. Yeah. She's always going around with a can of Diet Coke. Yeah, with a smile. <laughs> with, a, with a big smile. And but, it was never empty. It yeah. was always full. And a, I just remember yeah. she... They, they call it eating the microphone, where your mouth oh, yeah. is so close to the mic, and it was bright red <laughs> lipstick yeah, all over the kind windscreen. Kind of a plum, plum red. And I went in there, looked at that, and said... I don't know if I can talk into the mic. I had more fun, though. I, they, they said, we need to have you on our show. I thought, oh, gosh, I don't want to be on that. <laughs> she says, no, no, it'd be great. It's going to be great radio. So I, I go on, and she started going, Mr. Shanklin, <laughs> you've done this and this and this and this and that to our president. Aren't you ashamed of yourself? And I said, absolutely. I am ashamed of myself. Oh, that she... Couldn't handle me as 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 Clinton. Clinton. Yeah, I did Clinton and Reagan and uh, Mike Flynn. I did I did a lot of different voices in that hour. We had a ball. She was she was of course she was drinking that Diet Coke even heavier at the time. But uh, but we had a ball. It was great radio. Yeah. Well, she 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 was a talent. She really yeah. Was. Oh she yeah. She did some stuff here, except when I think she was still drinking the Diet Coke and couldn't make it up the steps and yeah, so they uh they they retired that'll make you unsteady eddie yeah not go light on the diet coke yeah all right we're gonna take a quick make break. that a double diet and we'll come back and wrap things up Stay a double
And welcome back, everybody. Uh, Paul Shanklin here with me. Uh, we've been talking about everything, but um, everything saw, but what we're supposed to talk about. So, well, we were talking about drinking a minute ago and Janice Folio, <laughs> and uh, who was that? Full somebody, of wine. It's somebody uh, full of wine. Full of wine. <laughs> who? Who? There was somebody else who used to hit the jug pretty good. Oh, well, Oliver C. Reed did, but he he could read the news and it sounded as sober Hart, sober, sober as a as a judge. Did, could he do? Did, did he had did a lot of commercials sound just like Paul Harvey? Paul Harvey. Well, Paul Hardly. <laughs> Hello, Americans. This is Paul Hardly. Stand <laughs> by for news. I mean, it was he had the he had a real talent for the pause. He did. And, and it drew you in. Rush could do that and draw people in to listen yeah. to what he had to say. Punctuate with silence. He uh, also had the, the and now the rest of the story. Yeah. I love that segment. Oh, you know rest. his son tried oh, to take over story. after Paul either died or retired. Yeah, he both. And and he uh, he sounded just like him, but he just didn't, didn't have the. He didn't have. He that. didn't have the old. Well, in a lot of that is the old school announcing. Yeah. I love to listen to like old clips of stuff. You know, thank goodness for the internet because you can go back and, and we were talking about comics. Yeah, you can watch. You know, Johnny Carson and clips from the '60s and '50s of comedians live on the air yeah. saying some really crazy stuff. And they, this was live to tape, but it's you know it, it, it. We're seeing the tape, but it went out live, and they're believing stuff they're saying. <laughs> and uh, you know, because they had a script, because they'd have, they'd do a skit like on Dean Martin, and then you'd have uh, Jonathan Winters come in and blow it all up. And, oh yeah, because he, he started ad libbing. He was oh, so yeah. funny. He'd oh, break yeah. everybody else up. Oh yeah, and and Dean Martin just can't take it, and he's just, <laughs> he's just letting him go with it. Well, what else are you gonna do? Yeah, I mean uh, that's one of the funnier things on there. But that's but when you listen to the old radio announcers, they have they were in like a really live room, and it was like the sound was bouncing around, and they had a certain way of saying things, and it was it was just and it was kind of Paul Harvey esque. So that's what you were really hearing with Paul Harvey. Part of it's his style, and part of it's that. Old school radio. Well, and plus they did everything live. Yeah, there was no tape. Nope. So they did. Uh, they did plays on the air, radio plays. They did the news. They had. Uh, I and mean, very professional. Yeah, and, and, and that's when it, they used to spend money on radio. In fact, Earl Hamner, who was the creator of the Waltons, that's oh, yeah. his first job uh, out of college was actually uh, in New York City working in radio. That uh, makes sense as an announcer. Well, you know, you know the guy that did uh, Gene Shepard, who, who, you know, the Christmas story, a Christmas story, the yeah. kid that the BB gun and all. Yeah. That, he's the one narrating the film, and the film is based on some things he had written. Uh, he was a he was actually a overnight New York uh, radio host, and would come on and spin so stories in the was, Christmas story itself. That's him narrating. That's him narrating. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. That's know that. him narrating. Well, I have, I, they had some CDs of, I never heard of Gene Shepard's show, but it was on WR in New York. And Johnny Donovan said, Oh, you got to get this. You got to get this. And it was, he's phenomenal. He could come in and just start telling you about his childhood. And there's no call ins. It's just him talking. And it was, it was just, it was a real talent. He just blow you away. Just how, how he could weave a story together. And he, and I asked Johnny, I said, Is that, was this just one of his better ones? He says, No, he was that good every day. Wow. Yeah, and then he wrote the movie and made yeah. enough money. To well, he, he wrote some, he wrote some short stories, and you know, it's, uh, the book was "And uh, God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, 
and it's it's a collection. It's parts of all those stories, and then they they made it into a into a movie script. Well, the other get great uh, voiceover besides Morgan Freeman, who's incredible. The Shawshank yeah. uh, Redemption, oh, yeah. one of my favorite movies. But anything he says. But the the movie about the three little boys that go on the railroad tracks. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Stand by Me. Stand by Me, and then That's... Richard Dreyfus was the one that voiced that. Right, right, and made the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. You know how the the uh, the Shawshank Redemption? How Morgan? Because I get to interview him once a couple of times, really. And I said, how did it come to be that you narrated that? He goes, every day they do rushes, which is what we shot that day. And they would have me read the description of the scene set up and what's going on leading up to this scene. And, and then, so I'd say, you know, uh, the guy, you know, arrives the first day in prison only to find not too welcome a committee. <laughs> and, uh, and so and he said, just dawned on a producer somewhere. Where going, are we going to find a guy? We need to find a guy that sounds like this guy. That's well, what we need. They all said, there's this. He said, we got to use this in the movie because they were listening to it every day. Right. And then they, I don't know. <laughs> it dawned it, it, on it, them. It, yeah, they said, this may, and it did. If you talk to anybody, Shawshank Redemption was made oh, yeah. by Morgan Freeman. Oh, voice. yeah, yes. It, the, it, the characters were good, but that brought it all together because he's him looking back. And you think about it because you, you look at Driving Miss Daisy, he was able to use that dialect that used to exist. Very few people talk that way anymore, just like Earl Hamner, who did the opening uh, voiceover to the Waltons in that right. Virginia accent. Right. And uh, Morgan not, can go back and capture right. that phraseology from the old South, the way people used to talk. And, and when people proper, hear it, proper, if you were going to talk proper yeah. to somebody. He goes, now, Miss Daisy, I told you I got to make water. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you just get to... back in the car and drive. <laughs> now, Miss Daisy, I'd sure like to help you out, but I got to make some water. <laughs> he just did it, yeah. <laughs> Paul Shanklin, always great having you in, sir. And, and I don't even need to make water. And you don't. No. But you will soon because you're over 50. That's right. <laughs> That's it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow. Please join us. That just made somebody's day. (laughs) Have a nice evening. But...